Welcome back to the Innovator Podcast, the female entrepreneur series that dives into the stories of how women founders tackled hardship and difficulties to ultimately find success. My name is Erica Sullivan, and I am the host of the Innovator Podcast, and today I'm welcoming Ambar Johnwell. Ambar is a creative brand and marketing strategist and the co-founder of Netta Collab, a social impact firm providing marketing, branding, and advocacy services. She is passionate about merging creative voices with advocacy work to fuel social movements and empower organizations authentically by putting the community first. Ambar is a Mexicana currently based in New York City. Outside of work, she's an avid dancer and an adventure seeker. Ambar, welcome to the Innovator Podcast. Hi, Amber. Thank you so much for coming on today. We are so excited to have you on the Innovator Podcast and have the opportunity to speak with you a little bit more about Netta Collab and everything else that you've worked on in the past. So my first question is, if you can start us at the very beginning, what was your early life like and how has your story evolved to get you where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hi, Erica. Thanks so much for having me. So I actually had a pretty unusual childhood. There was a lot of travel, you know, we grew up actually going back and forth between Vermont and largely Mexico City, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, are about as different as you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that really helped to frame a lot of my life, just having experience in these two different cultures, two very different families. And in addition to that, a lot of different experiences when it comes to school and the types of people I was engaging with and the communities that I was a part of. Um, And my family in general just culturally was very invested in us learning a lot um, and educating ourselves a lot and being very creative. So I, you know, as a kid, I went to uh, Waldorf school and then I went to Montessori school and then I went to private school and I went to public school and then I homeschooled. Um, Mm -hmm. And so having these really different experiences actually framed a lot of my childhood. That's so fascinating. I mean, Vermont and Mexico City, that is crazy different when you're talking about culture and location wise too. Yeah, it was it was very strange. And I, I always had, to be honest, a lot of resentment for Vermont. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I've always felt very comfortable in the city. Um, You know, I live in New York City now. And I just I love the noise and the people and the crowded, (laughs) the crowds. (laughs) Um, So going to Vermont and just being in this very rural space, um, you know, now I'm able to really acknowledge how beautiful of a state it is. At the time, it was definitely (laughs) pretty difficult. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm sure. And then you studied at the Massachusetts College of Art and Design. Did you go there directly after high school for college? Or was that a program that you joined later on? Yeah, so I, um, so I homeschooled through all of high school, because my my mom and I were traveling a lot. And we were living in different places. So we were in Vermont, and then in California, and then back in Mexico. And there was just a point when we had been back in Vermont that I, I just, I was really unhappy living there. Um, and I actually had a boyfriend that was moving to Boston for school. Um, and I convinced my mom to let me move with him. I had, I think I just turned 17 and I was, I was just over Vermont and I was homeschooling anyway. So I didn't, I didn't plan on going to Massachusetts College of Art and Design when I moved to Boston. But when I was living there, you know, I kind of decided I wanted to go a more creative route and I ended up applying and going there. But I actually, I, I went to MassArt for two years and then I ended up dropping out. I was working full time and I felt like I had already kind of started a career and just seeing a lot of my friends that were graduating with creative degrees, I felt like 
I was already on a path and I had already kind of figured out where I wanted to take it. And at that point, I just realized that, um, you know, the experience that I was growing at that point was going to be just as valuable for me. So it sounds like your transition from academics to the quote unquote real world was really a natural transition for you because you knew what path you wanted to take and kind of had that laid out for yourself before you made that transition. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it was was a little bit of a stressful time. I had a lot of family things going on. Um, I was working definitely at least full time while in school. So I think I just felt like I wasn't able to really fully focus on school or my work. And at that point, because I was already working, um, I was doing event management and fashion merchandising and kind of, you know, that a lot of that really led me to where I am now. So I think I just realized that the best decision for me was was to leave at that point. So where you are now is Netta Collab. Um, so when was Netta Collab founded and really what inspired you to launch your own company? Yeah, so uh, Netta was founded in 2018, so almost two years ago at this point. And, you know, I, I've been working in the digital marketing space for, I guess, nearly seven years now. And I've, you know, for a while, I worked with more for-profit companies. I worked really uh, with creative organizations, more on the kind of branding and ad campaign side of things. Um, I did a lot of uh, like creative management, so working on photo shoots and video shoots and things like that um, back when I lived in LA. And a couple years ago, one of my best friends and I, Jackery Ryan, um, you know, we'd been working together for a while and I'd been getting more invested in working in the social impact space. And her and I were working together on some social justice issues. She's a lawyer and she's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, we just, we realized that our work together was something that a lot of nonprofits and organizations in the social justice space were really missing. There's a lot of organizations that aren't really utilizing digital advocacy as good of a tool as they could. And so, you know, we decided to launch Netta and to be able to combine our expertise with with her, who's very experienced in social justice, and then me, that's very experienced in digital marketing, and just create this firm that's able to really work hands-on with nonprofits to provide those types of services. That's very cool, different backgrounds, because I didn't know that your co-founder was a lawyer. So Netta provides nonprofits, tech companies, and creatives really with the tools and resources they need to fuel positive change and mission-driven impact. So what kind of projects have you worked on in the past, if you're able to talk about any of them? Absolutely. Um, so we we really work on a big range of projects. And honestly, it's so exciting, especially <laughs> right now, um, everybody's moving over to digital. So it's been the last couple of months have been really crazy for us. But you know, a lot of the work that we're doing currently is actually political coordination, um, specifically for the 2020 election. So a lot to do with research, tracking data, and then helping assist organizations that have uh, digital spend before the elections as well. And that's been really exciting and a little bit of a new space for us over the past year. So that's a good amount of the work that we're doing currently. Um, In addition to that, I'm really passionate about justice reform. I think that our, our justice system is just really awful and takes advantage of people that don't have financial resources. Um, So a few of our clients have been in the justice reform work, especially trying to lower incarceration rates for people that are in jail during pretrial, which pretty much means they're in jail because they can't pay for bail. And that's, I think, about 70% of the people in our country that are in jail haven't even been convicted yet. And that's just an astonishing number. That's something else that we do. In addition, we're really passionate about helping to train organizations. A lot of nonprofits that we work with are on the smaller side. So while they might not be able to afford our services full time, you know, we're able to help to train their team to be working more effectively with digital advocacy. So we do training and workshops as well. 
So in addition to you guys working with these companies, I also wanted to pivot and talk a little bit about the Viva La Jefa community and what benefits this community provides. And I want to give you the opportunity to talk about it. What I've seen from your website is you guys are really providing an incredible community for women to come together with similar cultural backgrounds and have a way to communicate and connect with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for asking about that. I'm always so excited to talk about Viva La Jefa. Um, so my my co-founder, Dakri, and I are both Latinas in this space. And, you know, we've seen firsthand, but also from family and friends, the struggle that we can have with bringing our culture and our communities to the foreground with a lot of the work that we're doing. So we created Viva La Jefa to be a space for Latina professionals and entrepreneurs to learn and grow together. So we host things like workshops. Um, we're starting to host more events online as well, just based on the current situation and just Generally, you know, we're trying to create a community where we can teach others about being allies to Latinas in the workspace um, and also just how to, um, you know, further their support both publicly and in, in these workspaces that they're in. You know, we are working with a lot of organizations that are trying to increase the number of Latinas that are working in their space. And for us, we're really passionate about making sure that not only are we increasing the numbers of Latinas that are being hired for specific jobs, but also that their voices are, are being heard and respected as well. So if there's someone who is listening to this podcast right now and is saying, oh my gosh, I need that in my life, how can they get involved with that community? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as of now, most of what we have done has been working um, with specific organizations and companies to uh, run these programs within them. Um, but we have just recently started to do more of just the community organizing on our side as well. So if you just visit our website and just click on Viva La Jefa, uh, you can join and sign up there. Um, and we've recently been starting to release online events as well. And we're going to be growing our digital community. But we are definitely more on the early stages of that. But definitely anybody that's interested can sign up there to learn more as we go. Absolutely. And that's something that we can put in the show notes. And you and I can stay in touch as that continues to grow so that I can promote it as well. I am all for getting women together who can connect with one another. That's really the reason I started this podcast to begin with is we have our voices, so why not use them to support one another? Um, prior to co-founding Netta in 2018, you held multiple other positions. Um, I know one of them that you said wasn't actually a job role, but more of a fellowship style working group with Google. So can you talk about your experiences that really led up to what you're doing now with Netta and what made you decide to pivot and take on this new exciting opportunity that is entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I think first off, I've I've always been an entrepreneur. And I think I've actually really struggled a lot when I've tried to allow myself not to be. There's definitely times where, you know, I've held full time positions, and I've been on salary and, you know, benefits and all that are really great. But it was it was actually, to be honest, very difficult with me. I think I just have realized over time that I work much better in my own structured environment. I, it's not an unstructured environment, because I actually am very specific about how I work. But I think because maybe because I homeschooled a lot during school, I just I know how I work really well. And I'm very focused in that sense. But anything that was too structured, like traditional school and also full-time jobs have been really difficult for me. So, you know, my entire career has been a collection of combining different contract jobs and working with different people. Um, and Netta is actually the second kind of firm that I founded. Before founding Netta, I co-founded a, a digital marketing firm in LA and our work was primarily creating creative campaigns, working with influencers and managing digital marketing strategies for a variety of 
especially tech, entertainment, and fashion companies. And we did that pretty successfully for three years. And when I left that, it was both for personal reasons, but also because I wanted to work more in the social impact space. So when I left in, I guess it would be 2017 now, um, so three years ago, um, that's when I really started working more with Daiquiri and working more with these, you know, these groups that are in the social impact space. And I just, I knew that that was what I needed to move forward with. As far as the working group that you mentioned at Google, so I have I have a special love for it, mostly because that's that's where I met Dakri, <laughs> uh, my co-founder for Nitha. Um, so just very grateful for that community in general for bringing us together and giving us a space where we could you know work together. But in addition to that, so what we are is a collection of different leaders, mostly in the social justice sector, especially for tech policy. So there's a lot of organizations that do amazing work that are a part of it. And then they also brought in some digital marketing experts like myself and other people that are in this space as well to help amplify the work that's going on. Um, but really what it is, is a collective for people to be able to collaborate and to be able to work together to really focus on solving tech policy issues. So things like having access to the internet, which I mean, especially right now with what's going on is especially important because there's a lot of you know lower income families that right now don't have access to the internet. And so their kids aren't able to you know be doing school online like while we're all at home. You know, or they're not able to be working jobs the way you and I can. Um, so just really, you know, having conversations about solving those issues and then putting, you know, nonprofits behind it um, is why that working group came together. And, you know, doing that and then being able to work with Daiquiri and just firsthand being much more a part of these types of movements is definitely what led us to creating Netha and realizing that there was there was a need for us in this space. That's so fascinating that you met your business partner at this event. I had I had no idea that you guys met working, you know, side by side in this group, which is I mean, that's so fascinating. I think life is so funny in that way that you take on an opportunity thinking it's going to take you down path one, and then it takes you in a million different ways that you could never have even imagined. Yeah, I know. We we talk about it a lot. And sometimes we'll joke about it because we we were in the working group for three years together before we really started working together and became friends. Um, so there was a lot of time that we had just hadn't had the chance to connect. And then when we finally did, it just it just made a lot of sense. So it's, def it's definitely really interesting how things happen. Yeah, absolutely. So you talk a little bit about how homeschooling you think kind of led you to having an entrepreneurial spirit in the way that you like to do things. I don't even know if that's the correct way to um, explain that. You you explained it so eloquently, but as a college student, so one of my biggest things is for college students to have resources for entrepreneurship. So mm -hmm. colleges are really good at pressing that you graduate, you go to this corporation, you work your way up the ladder, you have the benefits, you have the salary. And what they're not so good at is saying, here's how to thrive in an entrepreneurial path. So I was wondering if you have any advice for entrepreneurs, maybe who are in college or about to graduate or just graduated, who are deciding that it is right for them to pursue their own path, but really are self-doubting themselves due to that pressure they feel that the corporate route is right. Yeah, um, I mean, this is such a tough one, right? Because all of us are so different in the way that we work. Um, and so I've had a lot of times where people will ask me, they're like, oh, you dropped out of school. Like, do you recommend that nobody goes to school? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, well, that's a big assumption, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I just, I know what worked for me. And I know that personally, I'm very self-driven. Um, I'm very motivated. And I'm just, and, and I say this with 
in the best way possible, but I'm just a workaholic at heart. So for me, I've been asked before, like, what would you be doing if you didn't have to work? And it's like, well, I, I would be working. <laughs> I would create yeah. something for myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just one of those, those types of people. And I would say for people, if you feel that you have that as well, like you're constantly looking to create new projects, you're always thinking about what's next. You're really focused on learning without feeling like it's, you know, to check off a box or to, you know, get a specific grade on something. If that's you, then you know, you probably are also an entrepreneur at heart. And therefore, I think it's going to be a lot easier to go down that route. Um, otherwise, but my, my main recommendation for people that do have um, full time jobs and are considering, um, you know, maybe leaving and starting the self entrepreneur journey is to really start doing it as difficult as it might be while you're working and try to kind of figure out exactly what that looks like for you. My main thing, I always tell people, if you're not learning anymore in the position that you're in, then it is time for you to move on. So if you feel like you're, you know, working a full time job, and you're just not learning and not growing, then, you know, I think it might be time to look for something else. Um, But in addition to that, you know, what else can you be doing to be growing outside of the job that you have? And what can you be doing to, to start this entrepreneur journey while you're there? Um, I am someone that is very comfortable taking risks. I have left jobs without having other ones lined up. You know, I've moved across the country (laughs) without having a job lined up. But I, for me, that doesn't, that's not the biggest risk that I take. You know, I take a lot of other risks in my life that are a lot scarier than that. But I do think that it's important that we kind of manage what our feelings are about things, especially when taking such a big jump and such an economic risk. Um, So I do typically recommend to people to just, you know, start doing it while you can. And, you know, I'm not saying work so much that you know you don't have any time for yourself because I really do believe in making sure that you have balance but I do think that if you're really passionate about something and you think that it's something that you could do as an entrepreneur outside of work then you should also be able to manage doing that while you're doing something else yeah that's such great advice I mean this question wasn't completely um selfless I I'm personally kind of dealing with this right now because I'm graduating and I have a startup company that just got a little bit of seed money, but it's not enough for mm-hmm. me to feel comfortable absolutely launching, taking it on full time, living in DC. Um, yeah. So it was kind of a, a little bit of um, a selfish question, just kind of seeing where you. <laughs> and, I mean, that was fantastic advice. That if you're so passionate about it that you want to be doing it full time, then you should be able to come home from work and do a little bit each day and kind of just prove to yourself that you can do it. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, once you're running a company on your own, that's how it's going to be anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There is no such thing as a nine to five in the entrepreneur space. Yeah. Um, so definitely, you know, being comfortable with that and realizing that that's one of the things that you're going to put into it is it, it, that's going to be necessary if you're going to make that jump. Um, but I will say on the other side of it, on the positive side is that I do feel like I have more flexibility. Um, You know, if there is a day that I need to take off for personal reasons, you know, I, it's easy for me to do that, you know, as long as I'm able to manage everything and change my schedule around, there's, there's definitely a lot more flexibility as much as I might be working more. I think that's funny, because I think the exact same way too. I'm like, Oh, I have so much flexibility, but I'm working from when I wake up at like (laughs) 6am, I go to sleep at like 10 or 11. So yeah. But I'm like, I have so much free time. And my family's like, Are you kidding me? Do you see what you're doing? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, my mom has been saying the same. She just she's been so bored um, being quarantined. She just calls me so often. And Every time she calls me, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm working. She's like, you're such a workaholic. Like, oh. <laughs> this is what I chose. Oh, my God. That's so funny. 
So this kind of allows us to pivot a little bit into what a normal day in your life looks like. Um, and I know I've I've talked to so many entrepreneurs at this point now for this podcast and for personal advice. And, you know, there might not even be such a thing as a normal day. But is yeah. there anything in your life that, you know, kind of stays true that, you know, you have to do in order to be as productive as you'd like to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing that I would say, and that's really important to me is just trying to really acknowledge the way that I feel each day and being able to follow that. So that shifts my days a little bit, you know, when I'm able to, if I have time in the afternoon to go for a walk or go run errands, if it's just one of those moments where I feel really distracted, and I'm having a tough time focusing, I do, I work so much that that's the type of flexibility that I allow, I like to allow myself. So that's the first thing I would say is I just think being really aware about when you work best, you know, and for me, I know that I work really well in the mornings, and I work actually good late at night, too. But afternoons are very difficult for me. And so I just kind of I try to trust that, to be honest, and I try to really just follow, you know, the way that I'm feeling and understanding when I'm being the most productive. And you know, sometimes I'm sure we've all gone through this, but I'll just be sitting there. And I'm like, wow, an hour has passed. And I've been forcing myself to work, but I've literally done nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I, I try to really limit that. I and mean, I try to really be good about acknowledging it. But yeah, I mean, as far as a normal day, I, I just work a lot. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I actually I this is this is so many people would say that this is really unhealthy, but I actually get up and I just start working right away. Like I, I'm not lying when I say I like look at my phone and look at emails first and respond to Slack messages before I do anything else. And you know, I know everything says like you should meditate and you know take time for yourself in the morning, but I find that that clears my head a little bit. So I get up and I kind of check anything that might be urgent. So I maybe spend like 30 minutes doing that. Um, and then I go ahead and, you know, shower and get ready for the day and get coffee and all of those types of things. But I do find that I feel a little bit more calm as long as I was able to make sure that there's nothing urgent first off. Um, and then, I mean, the rest of the day is largely working, a lot of meetings, a lot of video calls, especially right now, a lot of emails, <laughs> um, just, just a lot of work. Um, you know, and then typically later on during the day, I'd say around seven is usually when things start to definitely clear up. Some days I'm lucky and it's earlier, some days a little later. But you know, around then I, I usually try to make sure that I'm wrapping up for the day. And back before we were quarantined, that's usually when I would, you know, see friends, um, and then also dance, which is just something that I'm obsessed with and missing very much during these times. Dance sounds like it's a really good stress reliever for you. Yeah, I call it like my therapy. Um, therapy is important too, but, but dance definitely, it, it allows me a space where I'm, I'm not able to be in my mind. And just as someone that is const constantly like my, my brain is always very, very active, and it's very difficult to shut off. Dance is very helpful for me to be able to disconnect a little bit. Yeah, I mean, everyone needs something like that, whether it's going for a walk, running, working out, dancing, listening to podcasts, whatever it is. I think it's so important for people who are constantly on to have that way to relax so that they aren't getting burnt out, especially if you are, I'm the exact same way as when I, when I wake up in the morning, I, the first thing I do is I roll over and I check my phone and I check my emails, which I know yeah. I've heard the same as you, that you are not supposed <laughs> to do that. And yet I, I feel like I have a better hold on my day. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So what is a book, a resource, or a podcast that you love and want to share with the audience? I'm all about sharing resources and information so that we can all be built up together. 
Yeah, so I think my thought, I was kind of trying to think about this question, um, but something that I've been really trying to to be better about, um, especially talking about disconnecting, is to read more novels again. I, you know, I read a lot of nonfiction, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and all of that is really great. But, you know, I work so much that I've been trying to find ways other than TV to just disconnect and enjoy. Um, so I've been reading a lot more novels. So one that I wanted to recommend that I read recently was Dominicana um, by Angie Cruz. Um, and it's just, it's an amazing story about a Dominican immigrant who moves to New York City in the 60s. Super easy to read, which is for me the best kind of novel because it helps me to get sucked in a little bit. But I think it's a really interesting story about race relations in New York City in the 60s. And then also just, you know, reading a story about an immigrant. So I definitely recommend that. So the last question I have is where can the audience find you? Yeah, so um, so again, my name is Emma Janwell. It's A-M-B-A-R-J-A-N-U-E-L um, across all social accounts. I have a website as well. And then my business is Netta Collab. And I'm sure you can put this in the show notes to make both a lot easier for people to find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be sure to put all that down there. So all you guys have to do is click that hyperlink and it will take you to wherever you want to go. But Amber, thank you so much for coming on today and, you know, taking the time to talk to me about your experience and your company and all this great that you're doing for women. So thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and for this great conversation. Thank you for listening to the Innovator Podcast. If you like this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star review. Have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next week on the Innovator Podcast.